Are you guys following Kanye? Anyone here is following the news about Kanye? So, so I, don't, I don't actually listen to much music. I don't actually follow celebrities. But I can't get Kanye off of my newsfeed. <laughs> I can't. It's like every other day he's saying something, he's doing something, he's posting something, and it's getting everyone mad. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, Kanye is a music artist, and he's been posting some really inflammatory things. He's been saying some really inflammatory things. And it seems like everyone has an opinion on this, right? We're watching this guy's actions play out on social media. And I see the comments. You know, his fans are like, oh, you don't know. He's a genius. He's got a plan. You don't know. And the other side is like, <laughs> got a fan. Then, then the other side's like, no, I do know. He's got to go to a mental hospital, like, right now. Like, nurse, come get your guy, right? So we're all, like, expressing these judgments on someone that we barely know, or in this case, don't know at all, right? But we all got an opinion. So before I became a Christian, I, uh, I used to argue with this youth group leader because I thought like Christianity was so illogical. And one of the things I used to argue with him about was about judging people. So I would say like, how can God tell us not to judge people? We all judge people, right? We're always judging, we're always looking, we're judging person who's overweight at McDonald's ordering a Big Mac. We're, we're judging our, we're ju that's the one judging. <laughs> we're judging, you know, our coworker, that one coworker always making dumb comments and bringing down the vibe, you know? We judge, we judge churches. We judge churches on how they preach, on their worship sets. We judge, we judge, we judge. It's like we can't stop judging, that's our nature. So what does it mean then when people say like, yo, Christians shouldn't judge? Christians aren't supposed to judge. Is that really what scripture says? Is that what scripture says? So we're gonna talk about that today. Why don't you guys pray with me? Father, we thank you. Thank you, thank you for your presence with us this morning. We thank you that we have the honor to be able to praise you and the honor to be able to learn from you and your word. And Lord, we ask that you would help us do just that today, that you would help us to hear you hear the things that we might not want to hear, hear the things that you want to speak to us. Spirit, we pray that you would transform us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so why don't you guys grab your service sheets or open up your Bibles. I know we have viewers at home, so grab your Bibles. We're gonna be looking at Luke chapter six, verse 37 to 45. I'll be reading from the ESV. So we're in the midst of this series that a lot of scholars would call Jesus's sermon on the plane. Uh, Jesus is teaching this huge crowd of people. They're all sitting there, and some of his teachings are more directed to the disciples. Uh, but we're in the middle of that. So I'll be reading Luke chapter 6, verse 37. This is Jesus speaking. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? 
A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. We have a lot to unpack. We have a lot to unpack. So the first thing we should notice is that Jesus never gives this blanket command, do not judge. He never says that. He doesn't say you shall not judge in the way that we read in like the Ten Commandments. You know how the Ten Commandments says, uh, you shall not murder, period. You shall not commit adultery, full stop, right? Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't say do not judge. He says do not judge, judge not. Don't judge and you won't be judged. Don't condemn and you will not be condemned. Now, what does he mean by that? Now, this is a little tricky when we read this in English um, and in our culture. So back then, the writers of scriptures really wanted to show reverence for God. So a lot of times they would leave his name out and write things that he does, but in a passive way, in a passive voice. So I'll give you an example. So a few weeks ago, Pastor Justin preached on the Beatitudes. And in the Beatitudes, it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. By who? By their moms? No. <laughs> they shall be comforted by God. But the writers didn't want to put his name in there, so they say they shall be comforted. They don't write, God will comfort them. So this trick, it's the same thing here. It's called the divine passive. They do the same trick here. When Jesus says, judge not and you will not be judged, he means by God. So he's saying, don't judge and God will not judge you. Don't condemn, and God will not condemn you. Forgive, and God will forgive you. Give, and God will give to you. See, the teaching that Jesus is, is telling us here is not so much of a command about judgment, but a warning and a promise that how we treat others is going to be how God will treat us. Jesus is actually teach, telling us not, not to not judge, but how to judge, how to judge. So today's message is going to be three guidelines on how we should judge others. Three guidelines on how to judge people. So the first guideline is this. We should judge others with the same standard that we want God to judge us. We should judge others with that same measuring stick. Whatever we're holding against someone else, we better be prepared for God to use that same stick to measure us. That kind of changes things, doesn't it? Like how much mercy do we want from God? Do we just want a little bit? Just a little bit of mercy? 
God, I'm good. You can judge me fairly. Who's going to say that? Because if we say that, we're like, no, God, I can take it. You can do me fairly. We're going to be condemned for sure, for sure. See, when we judge and we condemn someone else, we think that they're just defendants in our little courtroom, and they're subject to our opinions, our thoughts on them. But the reality is we're sitting as defendants in God's much, much greater courtroom. We are not the ultimate judge. We might think we are. We got this little baby courtroom here. But this isn't the fact. This isn't the truth. So the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome. So the Christians in Rome had a big problem with judging each other over really non-essential things. Like Paul mentions, like, people believe differently on what they should eat and what days are better than the others. And then Paul scolds them in his letter. He says, who are you to judge someone else's servant? Who are you? This is like in modern day, we would be like, yo, who are you looking at that girl who wore a crop top to service thinking she doesn't belong? Like, who are you to make that judgment? She's God's servant that you're thinking about, that you're talking about. Paul continues, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, all of us. Each will give an account of our lives to God. Don't worry about her. Don't worry. She's going to stand before God just like you're going to stand before God. See, in the church, we judge our brothers and sisters over so many non-essential things. Now, that's important to say. We'll judge each other on... Oh, you're late for church. Oh, yo, you, I haven't seen you in church for a month. Where you been? We judge each other on our differences in theology, tradition, the way we pray, the way we sing, how we decorate our tables for Thanksgiving potluck. Okay, so that's me. That's me. I have a confession. <laughs> I have a confession, so you know I'm, I'm under this same lesson right here. I had a friend. He posted pictures from his uh, church potluck. He had a white tablecloth and a single pumpkin. That was their centerpiece. And I'm, I'm sitting there looking at those pictures. I was like, should have come to Zion. Should have come to Zion. But that's not the attitude we should have, right? I don't want God judging my Thanksgiving table. I don't want that, right? That's not the measure I want God to look at me and think like, Tiff, you got to do a better job. <laughs> but Jesus' words uh, extend beyond beyond just brothers and sisters in the church. So at the moment, uh, he's teaching his disciples, he's teaching this crowd. You know, this is before the church gathered is established. He's not talking about having good and peaceful community like when Paul's writing to Rome. Jesus is talking about how we treat people in general, outside of the church, unbelievers, non-Christians, Muslims, Hindus, all other people. How do we know this? Well, in the context of his sermon. Last week, Johnny preached on uh, loving our enemies. And in verse 35 of that passage, it says that we should be merciful because God is kind to the ungrateful and evil. That's how God treats those who we would see as evil, as evil. So we have to be careful when we judge and condemn even those that we think are most deserving of condemnation, like that person is scum, we have to be careful because God is kind to those who are ungrateful and evil. So that's, this part is the warning. 
when you judge, when you condemn, you better be prepared. This is how God is going to treat you. The second part is the promise. The promise. Jesus says that the mercy that we show to our fellow humans will come back to us. So he says, forgive. To say, the word for forgive means to set free. Forgive, give, and God will give back to you. He gives this, it's fun image. It says, good measure, pressed down, will be poured into your lap. We're like, what does that mean? <laughs> so back then, when you would go, uh, I guess, shopping in the market, people would have like either an apron or a long shirt. And when they would go to the market to get their grain, or corn, the seller would take a big scoop and scoop it right into their laps. And that's how it, they would carry it. That's how they would carry it back to their homes. I didn't think we could really relate to that. So I thought of a different image. So I want us to think about the last time we went to a really, really good old school takeout Chinese takeout spot. <laughs> the last time that you went, you know it's good. There's a kid doing homework on the side, a 10 year old. <laughs> 10-year-olds taking your order. You know it's good. It's an old school spot. They're, they still got the styrofoam containers. They haven't bowed down to, to New York City. Um, and you order. You order your general sows. You get your fried rice. And the guy's in the back with his giant walk, right? And then when he gives it to you, he packs it in. He packs it in. You know there's oil coming out. <laughs> your low mane's falling out. That little tab's holding on for dear life. You get the chicken wings. It doesn't, they got to staple that thing closed. And you know, you know those are your people. They hooked you up. You know that you know. And that's what God is saying. Give, forgive. I'm going to hook you up. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. I got you. Forgive. Be generous. Be generous. Set people free. And I'll, I got you. So that's how much reward we're going to get. And that's how much mercy we should make sure to give to people when we want to judge. How much mercy can we give? So that's the first guideline. The first guideline is that we should judge others. We're free to judge with the same measure that we want God to judge us with. So we've got to keep that in mind. The second guideline on how to judge others is that we should judge others only after we've judged and corrected ourselves. We should judge others after we've checked ourselves we take a good look in the mirror and correct it ourselves. So Jesus asked the crowd, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye and not notice the log that is in your own eye? A fun image, fun image. So the, the little speck, that little speck, we, we translate it as speck, but it can also be like a little splinter. So you ever get a splinter, it's like so small, you got to get uh, tweezers to get it out. So you get, there's a splinter in your brother's eye. And the log, more specifically, is a beam of wood that holds up the roof of a house. <laughs> that's, that's what uh, we have as logs. So imagine a whole house from the front of the house to the back of the house, and this enormous <laughs> beam that traverses the whole thing that's holding up the roof. That's in our eye. That is in our eye, and Jesus says that we don't even notice it. 
we don't even notice it. That's an indication of how arrogant we are. How arrogant we are. How completely not self-aware. When we're judging and condemning others, we look like a fool. Because we're just hanging out with this beam as if, it, as if it's nothing. So Jesus gives us some practical advice. He says, first, take the log out of your eye, and then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And many people will jump straight to this verse. They'll be like, you see, it's not about judging. It's about hypocrisy. It's like, all right, sure, but let's talk about that log for a moment. Let's, let's slow down. Okay, we're talking about hypocrisy, but how come we don't see this? How come we don't notice there's a beam of wood coming out of our eye? How come it's so much easier for us to notice the sins of other people than to notice our own? So I think about our human father and mother. I think about Adam and Eve. So when God confronts Adam about his sin, what's the first thing he does? Well, look at her sin. (laughs) Well, look at what she did. Condemn her. And Eve does the same thing. Eve confronted with her sin. She's like, well, look at the serpent. It wasn't my fault. It's so hard for us to acknowledge our sin. I remember reading an article once about people who have been incarcerated for uh, violent crimes. And a common theme amongst all of them was that they all said they were actually victims. They were victims of society. They were victims of their family. It's really hard for us to acknowledge our own sin. We, by nature, have trouble seeing that log. That's how we are. So I honestly think Jesus is being gracious here when he says, take that log out and then you can go help your brother. Because I don't think a lot of us judge because we actually want to help. I don't think we're like, yo, you got a speck. Let me help you out. I think we just judge because we don't want to look at ourselves. So this past week, Staten Island Children's Museum held an event where they had people who were dressed in drag read stories to children and talk about empathy and diversity. And understandably, a lot of parents, a lot of people were upset about this. People said they were grooming these kids, there were protests, they're teaching children about concepts that they're just way too young to understand. But while our scriptures, so our scriptures and this revolution to change our understanding of sexuality and gender, while these don't align, I wonder how many of us have actually looked into the struggles of the LGBTQ community. Like, I wonder how many of us have educated ourselves on the harm that the church has done. What have we done? What have we contributed to hurting a whole group of people to the point that now it's an identity? See, we jump straight to condemnation, straight to judgment. Paul told the Romans that you have no excuse, you who pass judgment on another, because you do, you practice the very same things. While I was preparing this sermon this week, the women's Bible reading chat group asked a question about divorce. And I did my best to answer them as well as I could, as much as I thought God's thoughts were on the matter of divorce. 
And I thought to myself, it's so interesting how there are some sins that we commit that we feel like we can have so much grace for. And some sins that we see others commit that we're like, no, that's unforgivable. That's deserving condemnation. You know, some of us would crucify someone who was gay and be totally cool with entering their third, fourth, fifth marriage. That's, that's, that's the hypocrisy right there that Jesus is talking about. See, we should judge only after we've judged ourselves, corrected ourselves, and that's a lot of hard work. That's a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of self-awareness, a lot of humility, a lot of submission to things that we don't want to do. And it takes a lot of gospel, a lot of gospel. And that's going to bring me to our, our third guideline, our final guideline, is that we should judge others by staying close to Jesus. By staying close to Jesus, we should judge others by firstly walking so intimately with Christ that our minds would be conformed to the way that he thinks and the way he sees people. The passage that we're studying, this is not a philosophical book of virtues. This is not how to be a virtuous person, how to be a righteous person. It's not a how-to book. These are the words of Jesus himself. Jesus who is teaching and discipling us, who is helping us to know the way back to the Father. This is Jesus who welcomed little children to come to him when the disciples wanted to rebuke their parents. This is Jesus who defended a woman caught in adultery when religious leaders are like, yo, we're supposed to stone her. This is Jesus who ate with tax collectors, who everyone hated, because they're like, they're, th they're thieves and they're sinners. This is Jesus who defended a sinful woman as she anointed his feet with perfume while a Pharisee just sat there and judged her, and judged her. This is Jesus who's speaking. He's not saying something that he's not doing. He's not calling for us to live beyond what we can do. He's calling us to follow him. How can we judge anyone when Jesus is the one whom we follow? How can we judge? We follow Jesus as the new Adam, the new Adam who's not pointing fingers at someone else's sin, but stooped down to wash his disciples' feet, even after one of them had already committed to betray him. Jesus knew, this man's going to betray me, and I'm going to wash his feet. This is who we are following. This is the one who is speaking right now. Jesus said he did not come to condemn the world. If you're here thinking that's the church's business, that's not our business. That's not our business. He came that the world might be saved through him. And we, we're part of that world that has been rescued. We are part of that world that has received his mercy when we were dead in our sin. Do you understand, church, what we have received? Do you understand what we have been forgiven from? Those who understand would never dare, never dare to judge someone who doesn't know him. Never. Because we know where we were from. We know where we were at. 
When Jesus found us, we would never dare to say someone wasn't welcome in his kingdom. But Jesus shares another parable in the passage. He asks rhetorically if a blind man can lead another blind man. Obviously not. They're going to fall into a pit. And he says this to his followers, saying, like, look, you guys can't lead yourselves. But then he says that every disciple, when fully trained, will be like his teacher, will be like his teacher. The more we walk with Christ, the closer we stick with him, the more we're going to look like him. I shared this story on my Instagram last week. Um, My son, who's three and a half, he has spectacular emotions. <laughs> he just has these wonderful feelings that come out in these vocal expressions. <laughs> and, and for the most part, my husband and I have stuck it through with that gentle parenting. You know, we don't, we don't punish him for his meltdowns. We talk with him. We help him try to regulate. Um, and the other day, my daughter, who's one and a half, she was having a meltdown. And we saw my son go up to her and say, like, are you okay, Abigail? Are you hungry? Are you tired? And we were amazed. We were amazed. And then he says, like, Mom, I don't think it's working. (laughs) That's gentle parenting. That's gentle. If anyone was wondering. He's like, I don't know why it's not working. (laughs) Um, But the point is that when we were we're caring for him. You know, he was being cared for. He was being served by us when he was blowing up. And he learned that. He learned, oh, this is how my parents care for me. And now he's imitating it. This must be how we care for others. This must be how we do it. And when we stay close to Jesus, the way that we see other people, we're going to look like him. We're going to do it like him. I think a lot of times when we read these texts, we can feel so discouraged because it sounds so unattainable, right? Like that's how I felt before I was a Christian. Like nobody can do this. This is impossible. I can't live up to these standards. And we read Jesus continues talking about good trees and bad trees and how good trees don't produce fruit and how The good person says good things out of the treasure of his heart. And the evil person obviously speaks evil because it all comes from inside. And we read these passages and we think, oh, we must be bad trees. We must be bad trees. We got to make ourselves good. I got to clean myself up before God will accept me. But the truth is we can't. We're rotted. We're rotted inside The prophet Jeremiah said the heart is deceitful and is desperately sick. We are sick inside. And if we are sick inside, of course, we're going to judge and condemn. Of course, that's going to come out. Our hearts are sick. Jesus is saying that's where our speech is coming from. But it's only by staying close to Jesus that we can be transformed, that we would have life inside He who began a good work in us will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. If you are saved by him, if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you have committed your life to following him, the process 
is well on its way, Christian, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. These standards that seem unattainable, you can't stop your mind from changing. God is going to help you. God has changed you. God has made you a new person. You're not the old person. You're not the old person anymore. We can forgive. We can be generous. We can do the things and follow the things that Jesus calls us to do because sin has no hold on us anymore. We are no longer prisoners to the ways that our flesh used to live, to the ways that our natural, to the way Adam and Eve just point fingers. We are not like that anymore. We are adopted. We are new people. We are new people. And when we live in our newness, then the world is going to see. You know, those people are different. (laughs) Those Christ followers are different. You know, everybody else, my family, my friends, they would all judge me. They would all condemn me. But that church over there loves me. That church over there welcomes me. I know I can go to them. I know I can belong with them. So I'm going to close with this. The prophet Ezekiel recorded the Lord's words, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have had mercy on us when we couldn't even see our own sin. We thank you that you know all this about us, all the ways in which we have hurt you and hurt those around us, and yet you come for us and you redeem us and you save us. Lord, we ask that you would help us to remember this as we interact in the world. That which we have received, Father, we pray that those around us would also receive as well. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.